This is CliffCentral.com. This is CliffCentral.com. 360 Biz on CliffCentral.com. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Debo Homer Fordy. Welcome to another exciting installment of 360 Biz. It's actually an interesting song that we are just playing right now. Imali, you know, I'm actually hearing this song for the first time. I never knew of this song, but I mean, the message um, on this song, it actually speaks about how these days, uh, this day and age, we're killing each other for this money. Um, that, you know, or what is this one thing um, that we're killing each other for? You know, I mean, it's actually something that is into. Do you know of the song? No, definitely. Um, I love the song. I know of the song. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the first, I mean, the first time, sorry, the first time I came into contact with the song, I was blown away because it's a very beautiful song. But the most important thing mm-hmm. is speaking about something so relevant because more than life itself, what we have put before other people, friends, family, and everyone else around us is money. Yeah. So to a certain point, it's money, money first. Yeah. And, and, and anything. And come to, come to think of it, uh, Bulelan, it's actually worrying that we work for this money so much. Um, that uh, we don't eat healthy, chasing money. Yeah. Um, we don't go to gym, we're chasing yeah. money. We don't even spend time with family, we're chasing money. Now that's true. I mean, I think up until recent, I just joined the gym. You joined the gym? <laughs> I just joined the gym. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, because I mean, I think I came to a startling realization that I'm going to keep making it and I'm going to keep running around, but my body's going to keep mm. decaying. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, if I don't take care of it, if I don't utilize the money to live longer, then it would have worked against yeah. me. Yeah, no, it's actually true. I mean, you're reminding me of, of of a discussion I once had um with one of my mentors, um the mining mogul, uh, Mike Dekker. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was saying to to I mean, he's he's very health conscious, and I was asking him to say, I mean, dude, you're so health conscious. I mean, why such health? You know, why you take your health so serious? He says, no. Once upon a time, I mean, he used to wake up about eighteen hours a day. Hmm. Um and until he was admitted in hospital, yeah, no, yeah. that that kind of and 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 he said for him that was a wake up call to say, dude, you'll work, make all these millions and billions. The next thing you'll spend the rest of them taking care of your health. Now, nah, but it's true, and I mean it's very very important. I mean, personal health, but more than that, I think you know, looking at the topic, money, money is a very very sensitive issue. <laughs> But it's one of the things that we all would, we all need, but we hate to admit oftentimes. Mm. And I think, you know, one of some of the things that I'd like us to look at is, you know, I was talking to someone earlier on, um, no, no, late last week, actually mm-hmm. on Saturday. And I was like, but what is more important to you? Is it money or passion? Because I hear a lot of guys running mm. around talking about we are social entrepreneurs. But I'm of the belief that you have to be a capitalist before you're a socialist because how am I able to? <laughs> but then, you know, how, do, where then do you then draw the line? If yeah. you want a billion, you gotta work, you know, that kind of mm. thing. But and, and interesting enough, I mean, Abulian, I just got back this morning. Um, I was in, um, I was, I went to the Eastern Cape. Um, actually from Cape Town came here, went to KZN from there, uh, went to Margate. Uh, it's about three hours from Kizara. Yeah. And from there, I had to take a car and drive all the way to Mtata. It was actually the first time um, in Mtata. And uh, the most interesting thing that I've realized, I mean, there's towns um, that are sitting with so much budget. And there's mm. all these potholes in the middle of the road. Um, it was actually a bad, um, you know, experience for me to say, I mean, how do we have such big roads, uh, big, uh, big holes and potholes in, right in, in middle of town? I mean, and, and I mean, one of the things as I was asking people around, and people were saying, um, the budget is there, 
but now it's the spending that's a problem. It's because um, money disappears. Um, there's money looting. There's tenders that mm. are disappearing. You mm. know, uh, people are getting appointed for tenders before they actually start working. They already got paid. They start buying those Mercedes Benz and be doing all of those things. And I mean, that goes to show, I mean, the level of crime. I mean, that people are doing um, out there as far as money is concerned. I mean, what you said is that are we chasing money or are we chasing passion? Uh, yeah. It's because obviously, if ever you don't have that passion, the money becomes the driving factor. No, I think that's why definitely. obviously um, the discussion that we're having today uh, being the discussion of white collar crime. I mean, economic crime continues being an absolute threat in 2016. Economic crime remains a serious challenge to business leaders, government officials and private individuals in South Africa. White collar crime is costing business billions of rents annually with detection method not keeping um not keeping pace. Increasingly, South Africa have lost confidence in the law enforcement agencies. Joining me on the discussion is Mr. Trevor White, one of the directors for forensic services at PwC, being PricewaterCoopers. I mean, these guys, they've actually launched it. Um, they've actually hosted um, a media session um, last week sometime where they were sharing the insight of their bi-annual uh, economic crime survey 2016. I mean, they shared some insight and challenges facing SA and international organization and leaders. I mean, this survey analyze, um, analyzes, amongst other things, crime statistics in South Africa, the type of economic crime in SA, the profile of typical fraudsters, procurement fraud, cybercrime, and money laundering, and a whole lot of other things. That's why we felt with Bulelane that today we want to make a show focusing on them because it's something that obviously... As a business um, community and as a country, it's something that we're trying to improve and grow the economy of the country. But obviously, we can't do that if ever we have um, crime that is affecting us. Uh, before I actually welcome in, so you're allowed to join in on the discussion. Our student lines 0861 We're on Twitter as well. Our Twitter handle is at cliffcentral.com. We're on Facebook as well. Our Facebook page is Cliff Central. Uh, we're on WeChat as well. WeChat ID it's Cliff Central. Let me take this opportunity ladies and gentlemen to welcome the leader himself the man that was behind the study you know within africa and and is it africa or is is it is it was it globally um trevor that you were leading this initiative it was the global survey it was a global survey okay ladies and gentlemen that is the voice of mr trevor uh white mr trevor do you want to say hi to our listeners tell us who you are what is it that you do afternoon listeners um my name is trevor white i'm a partner at, at PwC in the Forensic Services Department. And effectively what we do is we undertake investigations on behalf of clients, whether it be government departments, private sector clients, into fraud and corruption, money laundering, cybercrime and the like, working very closely with the police and the NPA to ultimately hopefully prosecute the perpetrators and hopefully the NPA will eventually send them to jail. Really? But I mean, isn't that the, um, I mean, Bulana, I would think that's the job of the police, yeah. the job of the regulators, the job of, I mean, you guys, you are a private company. And if I'm not mistaken, you guys are a consulting company. Why would a consulting company be involved in something that has to do with crime? You see, effectively, the police don't have the resources 
and sometimes the skill sets to investigate economic crime. Economic crime no. is... No. No. <laughs> why, yeah. why the heck are we having police if ever they don't have the resources to be inspecting and... They uh, arrest. <laughs> okay. So, so if, you, if you take, for example, it, a lot of it is an accounting exercise. So it's mm-hmm. analyzing bank statements, financial accounting records, and tracing the flows of money. Now that is a job for accountants. It's not a job for a murder and robbery policeman to do. And likewise, when it comes to cybercrime, mm-hmm. you need to understand the workings of the computer to find documents that have been deleted okay. off the computer, etc. So yeah, no, that one, I, 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 it's true. I've realized that some of our, our police officers, they're not computer literate. Yeah, no. You know, you give them, like, say, dude, you know, <laughs> the computer um, literally needs to be filled with blood everywhere wow. for him to say that is the evidence. That is what you have done. Yeah. But I mean, it's interesting actually. I never knew you guys worked to that extent. And I mean, how risky is it to be in this environment? What? Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> now that's him just cheering me on. <laughs> how risky is no, it being uh, in this environment, though? I mean, there's a lot of people that don't like you as a result of the investigations you conduct because at the end of the day, we effectively assist the police. We can't do the function of the police, but effectively our clients appoint us to do the legwork, prepare the evidence, which is then given to the police for the police to do their jobs. But if people are convicted, I mean, if it's a crime of more than 500,000 rand, they can go to jail for 15 years. What? So you don't make too many friends in this job. Sure, and and you know, interesting enough, um, what what you're saying, I know of someone that used to be the head of auditor general, uh, head of auditing, mm. and they actually had to leave their job because now their life was threatened. It, it can happen. Mm. And 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 remember as well, um, Bulalani, last year in the in the news, uh, one of the directors for. Was was actually taken out. Apparently, mm. he was working on a couple of high-profile cases. Hmm. Yeah, Lawrence Mwepi. He was a colleague of mine. He used to work for PwC. So now, I mean, um, still, uh, now, um, <laughs> Mr. White, aren't you afraid? You have to take precautions. It's like any job. I mean, people are going to be upset with you, but I mean, you need to take precautions and. And be careful. Hmm. Yeah, no, this is. <laughs> yeah. no, this no, is, no, this is this is very interesting. But now tell me, I mean, if you guys are investigating individuals, obviously those individuals, I know, I'd assume that they'd be aware that you guys are carrying out an investigation on them, right? Do you notify them or? No, I mean, at some point you would interview them. You would. So if you're conducting a, an investigation on behalf of a company, you would interview the people that you are investigating and ask mm-hmm. for explanations. But I mean, ultimately, if it goes to court, you would have to testify in court. So the people would know who you are anyway. Yeah. But I mean, what's the likelihood now that if you're investigating me and I know that I'm guilty as heavens and I know that the evidence is pointing for me and you guys are just carrying out due diligence and formalities, what is the likelihood of you guys being able to trace me bribing you or one of your, you know, one of one, one of your um, colleagues? To try and stop the investigation? Yeah. Or maybe botch it or point it in a different direction, or that kind of a thing. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's why the, the employment criteria are exceptionally strict before we employ someone to do forensics. I mean, I've seen that you guys do background checks and. Yeah, so we do a lot of background checks on anybody before we would employ them to do an investigation. Sure. 
Sure. Okay. Now, I mean, um, I'm actually, um, <laughs> you know, it's 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 something that is very interesting. But now, let, let let's come to 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 the survey that 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 you guys have run. Um, I mean, you guys have decided to run a global survey. Um, I mean, who finances that? Um, does somebody pay you for that? Um, to guys do this survey, or how does it actually work? PwC started it. This is our our sixth survey, so we've done it for the, for the last twelve years, and and really the the benefit it's to the business community to identify where there are risks to their organisations. Okay. But at the same time, it gives us the opportunity to identify where those risks are and see whether we can provide a service to help clients mitigate the risks that they are facing. Mm-hmm. Cool. So now, I mean, looking looking at, at some of the leading observation, I mean, it says more than two-thirds of South African organizations, being 69%, have experienced economic crime. I mean, detection methods are not um, keeping pace. Significant change in the profile of perpetrators with external and internal um, actors now even uh, even displayed. I mean, what opportunities are available for, I mean, countering economic uh, crime proactively? See, effectively, I mean, what the survey said was that in South Africa, the 69% of the of the perpetra- of the organisations suffered an economic crime, mm-hmm. compared to only 36% of a global average. Okay. So, and unfortunately, South Africa was the highest in the world. Hmm. So sure. we had the worst economic crime out of 115 countries. But, but, but how is it that we are <coughs> higher than Nigeria? I would expect that Nigeria would be the highest. Because, I mean, it's a country that's, you know, popularly known for fraud. And well, all other yeah, it is. But of the of the people that responded to the survey, 69% of the South African businessmen that responded said they'd suffered an economic crime in the last two years. Okay. Maybe, you know, you're saying something very interesting. Maybe, Bulelani, let, let, let's try to understand how is this survey conducted? Because you speak of people yeah. that have responded to the survey. So take us from the beginning so that at least um, listeners as well are able to, to understand how is this survey um, conducted, where does it start, who's involved, you know, where do you guys get your facts? Effectively, we, we send out as, it's a, well, to start off, we decide on the questions we want to ask. So there's about 60 different questions that we come up with. Okay. A number of them are the same from year to year, so you've got a comparison. Mm-hmm. And then we send those questions out. Effectively, the majority of them go to big business. So we want to know what, what are businesses suffering? So, and then we get responses. So, and it's an anonymous survey, so you don't know which particular entity has responded. Okay. And, in the survey that we conducted in, from a South African perspective, 83% of the respondents were from the private sector. Mm-hmm. So they weren't government. Hmm. So these statistics relate to business. They don't relate to government. And up to now, everybody says it's a public sector problem. But obviously, we can see from these res- results that it's very definitely a private sector or a, a commercial business problem. It's mm-hmm. not just blame it on government. And that same methodology is used across the world. So there were 6,330 respondents globally. Hmm. And there were 232 in South Africa. Hmm. Okay, that's a big number. Yeah, so then those survey results are all accumulated and analyzed um, out of our survey unit in Belfast in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And then based on that, we use the, the statistics that come out of it and, and then have to try and interpret them and, and write the reports that you're looking at. Hmm. I mean, the report goes to speaking that South African exhibited low levels of confidence in local law enforcement agencies. I mean, saying economic crime is costing businesses billions 
and 70% of South African I mean, respondents view local law enforcement as being inadequately resourced and trained. Some of the things that, as well, that you've you've made mention of it. I mean, um, I mean, what action um, do you take once fraud has been detected from an organisation? Well, you see, that's that's the important point. I mean, to start with your last point first is to say, you've now suffered an economic crime. What do you do about it? Mm-hmm. And the problem is, too many of our respondents, the, the local businesses, try and sort it out themselves. So they use internal resources, people that aren't trained in investing economic crime, and effectively, nine times out of ten, they botch the evidence up. Mm-hmm. So that they can't actually, the evidence is then inadmissible at a later point when it comes to a, a criminal case. Mm. So, so what we asked them as one of the questions for the first time was to say, how do you perceive local law enforcement and do you think they're adequately resourced and trained to investigate economic crime? And in South Africa, 70% said no, compared to a global average of only 44%. Okay. But the interesting thing is that the top 10 countries that said that had low perceptions, South Africa was the second highest. Okay. And the top 10 all came from developing countries. Mm-hmm. But number 11 on the list was Australia. Okay. And number 12 was the United States, which I can see the look on your face. Everybody says, well, <laughs> <laughs> the superpower. <laughs> how, how can there be a low perception? I mean, 51% of the respondents in the USA said they've got they don't think the police are adequately resourced and trained to hmm. investigate economic crime. Hmm. And a, a former deputy director of the FBI, we spoke to him and we said to him, is this right? Because immediately we thought the results may be wrong. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's not all like you see on TV. He said, the top units of the FBI, etc., have the resources and the skills and the training. But if you go in any big city in America and go to the local law enforcement and report an economic crime, he said, the people who investigated aren't properly trained, and they don't have the resources to investigate it. So hmm. he said he wasn't surprised at the result at the results from the survey. Oh wow! Sure, and 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 I mean, you you, you say you speaking of of the resources. I mean, it also goes back to cybercrime. Um, I mean, being being um and um, obviously a threat. Um, in the business aspect, I remember. I mean, we as well did a show on Poppy Protection of the Personal Information Act. Uh, I mean, we kept on referring a lot to. A lot of cyber crime that is taking place out there. I mean, um, your report goes to show that 32% of South African organizations reported having been victims um, of cyber crime. Um, so, and of which uh, most organizations are still adequately prepared to even understand the risk they face. I mean, with only 35% of organizations having a cyber incident response plan. I mean, um, it's more like before maybe I actually want to ask you the question that I want to ask you. I mean, um, how will your cyber response plan stand up? I mean, um, to reality of the situation. See, effectively, that's the problem. Most people only think about how they're going to react to it once mm. a, a cyber attack has occurred. Mm. So somebody's hacked into your system. They've transferred money out of your bank mm. account. I mean, we see all these examples of people's web pages being changed, funny mm. pictures being put up, but that's. That's a joke when people do that. Yeah. But the real issue is when they take down your websites that are earning you money, so you can't people can't get to your business. Okay. Or they're transferring money out of your accounts. Mm-hmm. Or probably the most important, they're stealing your intellectual property. So if you've got some special recipe or way of doing something, yeah. and they get onto your into your computer system, they steal it. Hmm. That's true. And then they can just make your and that's the the biggest problem globally now. It's a growing issue where people are finding it's easier to steal 
intellectual property mm-hmm. rather than to go through the development themselves. Speaking of that, uh, Bulena, the, the, there's an article I was going through. I don't know if you remember the case. Um, this boy um, stole I don't know how many billions. Uh, on cybercrime, oh, yes, then gave it away yes, all to yes, to yes. people in Africa. Gosh, I forgot what yeah, country to, it is. Yeah, to, <laughs> to 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 people in poverty. To and right now, obviously, the death. I mean, he received a death sentence. So part of receiving the death sentence is that uh, I mean, he needed to be hanged, and he actually accepted the sentence with a smile, with a smile, so knowing that you know what he actually did um, a good thing. Um, taking stealing from the rich, <laughs> <laughs> more than day Robin Hood, and, and, and giving and, and giving to the poor. <laughs> I mean, Bulalani, it's something that that, that 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 for me it's of a concern. I'm a businessman, yeah. you know. Um, you are a businessman, and as a small business, you know. I mean, do you have any measures um, that are protecting you from cybercrime? Nah, nah, nah. I mean, I think as much as my my antivirus, <laughs> my Kaspersky internet all around the antivirus, but apart from that, I wouldn't even know the extent to which it protects me. Mm. Apart from the fact that there are certain firewalls and all that stuff that come into play, mm. I think I'd only be able to notice after. I don't even know how effective they are because as a small business, I mean, I was talking to someone just today mm-hmm. and they've got these great packages you know for safety and health and safety for businesses mm-hmm. but one of the things that i realized is that they've got these large lump sum amounts that need to be paid on a monthly basis on retainer mm-hmm. you know charging like a corporate like a large corporate when we you know we're growing i think that understanding from a small perspective or a growing rather a growing perspective what what, what is more scalable for you to utilize as a system or a software so up until you get to that pinnacle point where you're a coke or you're a SABC or whoever, where mm. you are able to have those kind of policies or systems in place to prevent mm. you from any cybercrime. I like what you're saying. So, I mean, it, it, it now be speaking to, 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 to Mr. White, um, you know, in regards to my question to say, as small businesses, I mean, right now, big businesses is not only made up by big business. They were once small businesses. So now, I mean, cybercrime and things like these, um, and all of these things, I think they're more there for big business. Who's accommodating for the small business? Or now we've got people that are in small businesses that are listening and and obviously they want to prevent themselves from such. So, I mean, what can those people do? I mean, cybercrime is not my area of expertise, but I mean, from the guys that that, that work for me, I mean, mean, antivirus and keeping it up to date is obviously your first first defense because... Problem is people put it on and they don't and they think well it's on I don't need to update it I've, I've put the software on yeah no one ever but the thinks. problem is yeah the, the malware that's being developed mm-hmm. there's thousands of people out there and there's new viruses coming out every minute mm-hmm. <laughs> and these viruses are there for a reason the people want to get access to your computers mm-hmm. and as soon as they've got access to your computer they will get access to your your banking details. Everybody does internet banking these days, mm-hmm. and as quickly as, they, as possible, they will be transferring information out of your bank accounts. Hmm. And the other thing is that when you get emails with attachments from people you don't know, mm-hmm. the people that when you open those emails and you open those attachments, they sometimes have viruses embedded in the, in the picture or whatever you've opened that will then get onto your computer. If you don't open it, it won't be able to to activate on your on your computer. So, so now you, what you're saying, it's not advisable 
to 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 be um sending or to be receiving email from people you don't know yep i mean right now you don't know bulelane bulelane <laughs> sends you an email i won't open know. it really <laughs> oh i can read it yeah. but i won't i won't open, open it. i won't open attachments because mm. obviously oh. most likely you're most likely to oh. attach your company oh. profile oh. to see more about what we do there's the company profile you know and and um i mean it's something that definitely um you know, one thing I've, I've seen that people send out though, they send out links. That, that, that's a point. Yeah. So when you open the link, it's, I mean, it's, yeah. just by way of example, when this survey was launched in mm-hmm. the last week, because my name is attached to it, I've received probably 150 emails mm-hmm. from people I don't know and I don't, I don't want to know. I mean, <laughs> it, it's, it's people, all, all the scams that you can think of saying, there's a million dollars in Nigeria that they yes. need a bank account to use. There's some people from China sending mm. me emails. When I got an email last week from, in theory, the audit chairman of the Royal Bank of Scotland, but it was in Afrikaans. Now, Royal Bank of Scotland is based in Scotland. The chairman of the audit committee is not going to send me an email in Afrikaans. Mm. So it mm. has to be a scam. <laughs> yeah. no. so, and that's just because my name was out there all of a sudden and mm. people are reading it and they just – all trying their luck. Sure. So On you. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, the iron. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I mean, I mean, speaking of that, I mean, there, there, there's something, I mean, um, that, that as well. It's, it's, it's a, a, I mean, I know it's the biggest problem we have in South Africa, bribery. Yeah. Um, right now, um, I mean, Bulelani, I know that personally I've faced the problem, right? Somebody calls me and says, dude, I've got a project for you. Like, really? I oh, yes. And uh, give me a code, this and this and this and this and this and this. You do all of that. And he says, no, my man. Uh, but for me to give you the project, you need to give me my card first. Mm. You're like, dude, uh, what card? Yeah. I mean, when well, you called me, I didn't go looking for you. Yeah. You said you want my services. Yeah. I've given you a code. I want to, you know. Um, render my services and the next thing you're already telling me about uh, about a card have you experienced something similar? I mean that is what we experience on a daily 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 basis mm-hmm. I mean I know for the longest part I've been trying to get work from a particular municipality I'm a part of a certain section and it was a known it was a known known that if in order to get any order below 30,000 you needed to part ways with 5,000 and wait a good month or two months, and then they throw work your way. I mean, to the point where just quite recently, two weeks ago, I got got some work uh, with some with some um, department or company. Mm-hmm. And I mean, after we got the work, so the the situation there was, we quoted, we've been quoting. Apparently, we were cheap, cheaper than all the other guys that had ever experienced. Mm-hmm. And the lady was like, you know, my budget is two hundred. Why don't we just do stuff? Why don't you just charge more? Because you guys are really cheap and want to support black business. Okay. So we do just that. Mm-hmm. And then I get a call then two days later after we get the purchase order. Um, but dude, um, you got the order, right? I'm like, yeah, um, you need to give me a cut. What do you mean I need to give you a cut? Mm. And, and they, they, they no longer shy about it. Yeah. I'm like, need to give you a cut. I'm like, so I was, I was direct to that. Mm-hmm. And in actual, in actual fact, she didn't call me. I called her because I just didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. So I called her. I was like, you know what, man? I just want to thank you. We actually got the order, but I just want to clear something off my chest. Were you doing this from the bottom of your heart or is there an agenda? And at first she was like, no, there's no agenda. Three, two to three hours later, she called me up. She was like, no, you know what? There actually is an agenda. Mm. 
And I mean, most of this conversation is happening on text. And I'm like, this person has balls because they're not even scared that I'd go to their supervisors or superiors about this and show them and say, but look, this person is trying to solicit a bribe because this person initially called me and said, um, we've given you the PO. What I'd like is I'd like for you to actually source all the goods from a preferred supplier of mine. Mm -hmm. I was like, you're mad. And to the point where now she apologized and all that stuff. And I was like, but ma'am, don't do that. Because, I mean, now you're going to lose your job if you got kids and you're married. What's going to happen now mm. over something as useless as 30,000 rand? Come on. Mm. And, I mean, the survey says 15% of SA organizations have been asked to pay a bribe. But I think, um, <laughs> Trevor, this is not true. We can't have 15%. Nah. Nah, of people uh, that have been asked to pay bribes, it's way, way more than we know. We know. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it's something that 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 affects us daily. So it's definitely more than fifteen percent. So and less obvious, it's the number of people that responded here. That yeah, you know, yeah, the uh, respondents. I think people don't want to admit they've been asked or that they've paid. No, no, no. Yeah. We're, I've been asked. Yeah. Mm, I, I've been asked. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it goes to say, I mean, why 88% of SA organizations have a code of conduct in place and only 58% say that uh, training is provided regularly. But I think for me, this one is just to tick the boxes though. Yeah. That, that is the problem. But I mean, the reality is that for every corruptee that receives a bribe, there's a person that's prepared to pay it. And up to now, everybody says it's the government officials that are corrupt. Mm. But if the business people aren't prepared to pay the bribe, it would stop tomorrow. Mm. But I've experienced uh, training, uh, um, being requested a bribe in private sector. Yeah, definitely. I mean, no, it, it happens. But I mean, it happens everywhere. And the problem is that until people are prepared to say no, if, if no one was prepared to pay a bribe, it would be useless to people asking. No, that's true. And I mean, but, I think. So it, yeah, it starts yeah, with everybody. Yeah, it starts with yeah, me. It starts yeah, with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if enough people say no, then it will, over time, it will just phase out. But is your compliance program properly addressing the evolving risk landscape though? Yeah, well, that's, that's the problem is where the companies look at their compliance program and say, have we got a process in place that will help us identify where there's potential corruption? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but a typical example is people put out a bid for, for goods. A tender, and they say the the deadline is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. They make it ridiculously short, so only the person they told about it last week yes. has actually got the stuff in place. Exactly. Mm. Hey, you know. So when you say that, it, it seems Tra- obvious, Trevor, but that's it happens all the time. You're making, hmm. Eh? Hmm. Or you put out a bid that comes out between Christmas and New Year. No one's at work. Only your friend submits a proposal. <laughs> <laughs> and, it hap- and it happens every year you can we we do a lot of work for government and we look for those bids specifically because we know they come out mm. at a time when they think no one's going to respond no it's true and i look for those as well eh? you see december time that's why december for me it's my most busiest it's like my fridays my fridays are my i like my mondays because that's why i'm most busy you know i mean it's something that that is um, I mean, out there, and and people obviously are, but they know that we're out there sipping cocktails and blooming <laughs> <laughs> by the sun, not looking for projects. I mean, then it goes back. I mean, to 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 to, to money laundering. Um, I mean, hence even the the report says only fifty percent of money laundering, and terrorizing financing um incidents in financial services organizations were detected by system uh, by system alerts. Uh, I mean, it's something that is that is actually okay. I mean, this one I remember there was a big case. On Standard Bank, that for you to qualify for bonds, uh, you needed to pay about twenty thousand for a two million bond, or for you know. So and, and right now, um, 
in terms of i mean money laundering um trevor i mean would you say is this more than um the issue of bribery in a country <clears throat> yeah it is because i mean money laundering is the way that you you disguise the money and you make it legitimate mm-hmm. so gone are the days where you give the guy a briefcase of money and you say he has a hundred thousand rand what does he do when he's suddenly sitting with a million rand in cash he needs to buy something with it mm-hmm. and the and that's where fika comes in um where you've got to um people have got banks have got to report unusual deposits of cash or if you buy a car for cash the motor dealer's got to report it because that's what people used to do they would just go and buy a million rand car for cash because mm, mm, that's mm. how they legitimize the money so the so the people are getting more and more clever as to how they get the money into the systems mm. so you'll have some small little business that on the face of it can never make money, but make super profits. It's true. Mm. Hey, we're right. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, and when then, they clean the money. And then, and then you say, well, how does this business make so much money? Because the profits are not coming out of that business. They're money that's getting pushed in from outside. Mm. And that's how they legitimize the money and even pay tax on it. But, but right now, you know what you're saying? Yeah. It's, it's very true. There's, <laughs> there's a guy, dude, in, 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 in my township. No? This guy, is, uh, he's a qualified accountant, CA. Uh, he's got this accounting firm. Dude, but personally, I'm not going to lie to you. I've never seen somebody go there or inquire about getting accounting mm-hmm. services or finance or whatever. Yeah. But dude cleans money. Mm. Like, dude cleans money. Dude drives whatever car and all of that. You know, obviously he's an accountant. Yeah. So he's got his taxes in order and all of that. But now, reality is now you realize some of the people that work for him, whether rendering a service and whatever, he deals with cash. Mm. You know, it mm. it deals with cash, mm. so it's, it means obviously he's got as well these small you know, pubs that that you know. But obviously, you can tell no man, this thing it's just a ghost. You yeah. don't give us that kind of money. <laughs> nah, nah. But yeah. now, obviously, but now the question is, who goes into those organizations um, to actually penetrate to actually see if ever are they clients? Are they this? Are they invoicing? Are they because for the fact that they they doing all of those things, it says obviously um, right now there's. I mean, it, it works for them. They absolutely hide it well. There's no one that comes. I know in my company, there's no one that has ever came and knocked and said, let's see your clients. Mm, let's see this true. and that. And I mean, I transact serious uh, business. You see, that's where the Financial Intelligence Center, which monitors all banking transactions, they their sole role is to identify suspicious transactions. Mm-hmm. So if you are a very small business and, you're de- and you don't normally deal in cash and you're suddenly depositing large amounts of cash, they will flag those transactions and they send it to the police for investigation. Mm-hmm. But again, the problem comes is the resources. Do the police have the resources to follow up on mm-hmm. these suspicious transactions mm-hmm. that were reported to them? Um, but it's up to members of the public to report suspicious businesses to the police. And then the police, in theory, are supposed to investigate. But but, but now you know what I've realized though, and um, people are afraid to be reporting these things, because these guys will come after you. Eh? That's true. Yeah, these guys will, will will come after you. I mean, right now it's uh, we're no longer driven by passion, but we're driven by money. I agree, but I mean, until people are prepared to stand up and be counted, I mean, everybody. If you look at our survey, big business says that they know bribery and corruption is wrong. Mm-hmm. But then you ask them, are you prepared to stand up and take a public stand? And only 45% are prepared to take a public stand that bribery and corruption is wrong. So they obviously don't want to irritate people that are giving them business. Mm, but they mm, know it's wrong. Mm, mm. And that's the problem. Until we're prepared to stand up and be counted, mm. it's not going to go away. 
I mean, one person right now on social media says, don't forget to make reference to the Guptas. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, to say, um, <laughs> <laughs> no. But but I mean one thing is is that I mean um, there was an article as well that I posted earlier Bulelan, on my Facebook um, about the president's son I mean doing major businesses with the Guptas um, I mean I mean you guys as big as you guys are doing global surveys studies and whatsoever why aren't you coming after such people though we only investigate people if we pay to investigate I'm not a policeman it's a business yeah so but so, so I need a mandate from someone to say, but it needs to be someone that's got an interest in the in the affair. So if there's a business that has been defrauded, they will ask me to assist with investigating. Mm-hmm. Or a government department that's been defrauded may ask us to come and assist them mm-hmm. with the investigation. But I can't just go out there and say, I'm going to investigate somebody. That's okay. not, I don't have a mandate but and I don't have a, and no one's going to pay me to do it. Okay, but now, le, le, now you you guys, you know, you know what's my okay? Maybe let's let 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 me let me come to this. I mean, um, Trevor, we've got we've got small businesses, um, like myself, like Bulalani, and many others. Um, I mean, we get screwed almost daily, dude. You know, <laughs> um, the question is, can I come to a company as big as PwC to do investigation for me? Yeah, I mean, we have some small clients. W- I mean, we do, we do, I mean. PwC as a business has seen that emerging businesses are organizations that you need to work with. So we mm-hmm. de- and our ro- our objective is to develop those businesses to ultimately become big clients one day. So now tell me, I mean, now how much are those big clients pay? Those small clients paying? Because right now, Pela, Bulelani comes there. Your invoice is Bulelani's annual, um, you know, inco- <laughs> <laughs> Bulelani's annual income. So you know, it's we, we <laughs> which is true. I saw the car he was driving. He's, he's <laughs> no, but 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 see, seeing the car, I mean, it it says nothing really. I know because a lot of people, it's all about image. Mm-hmm. So that on the face of it, they look like they've got a lot of money, mm-hmm. but they don't actually. So yeah. they have a car, they have fancy clothes, but it's actually all owned by the bank. That's mm, true. true. So it's true. All, all about an image. And, mm. and unfortunately, that's become the problem now is people are living and to project this image, often they have to steal to get the money because they can't afford the image. Mm. And that's the problem. Mm. But I mean, we, we've got – I mean, our clients start off with people who just want their tax return done or an assistance with some small thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it just depends what they are and then – and often, the smaller the business, the simpler the system, so it's easier to find the problem. It's not a big, complicated computer system yeah, that you've got but, to investigate. Yeah, but now you've not answered my question. How do you charge a guy like Bulelang? Same way I charge anybody, by the hour. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how much is the hour rate? It depends on what you want and depends on the level of person that we want that needs to work on the job. Okay, but give us an estimation. Even uh, if it's ballpark ball yeah. figure. Oh, it, it would start... A junior person working for me would charge probably 350 rand an hour. Okay. Ah, but that's a junior person. Okay. So but, next but, thing, but, the next thing they don't see but, the problem. But, but, there. but then it, it will range and, and I'll charge you 3,500 rand an hour. Hmm. But, nah. but you see, I won't do the whole investigation. But if it goes to court, I will go to court and testify in the case. Mm-hmm. But I will have junior people helping me do the investigation and managers and IT people and a cross, whole cross section of people. Okay, so now let me let me ask you this this question, Trevor. I mean, you guys as a company, 
Um, do you guys have a CSI? I'd like to think you guys have a CSI initiative. Yes, we do. What is it? That, what does the CSI initiative do? A, a variety of things, from building schools to assisting with training people, um, dealing with school kids to identify people that want to become accountants mm-hmm. at an early age, to help them with their maths and things that they need to get into mm-hmm. university. But anything in enterprise development? There is a, not not from our side. I mean, not from the forensic side, but we do um, a lot of training around. Um, I'm just trying to think. I mean, I'm from Durban, so we do stuff with the um, Itala Development Corporation around mm-hmm. women training um, emerging black business women mm-hmm. um, with um, business skills, tax skills, etc., to to run their small businesses. So mm. That's one of the things. So there's yeah. a number of those kind of initiatives. Uh, but now, I, I mean, from from what I hear, Bulilani, unless if ever I'm I'm not hearing correctly, uh, but I think there's nothing that is that they're doing that is that is strategically. Helping small business, um, in regards to, I mean, you in forensic and the director for forensic. Obviously, maybe I would think that you'd have something that empowers small business as far as forensic matters is concerned, because it's something that affects them. It's something that right now they're not clued up about, they're not known about. We taken in for a ride day in day out, and right now you go to the police, they cannot help you. And right now, obviously, the best thing that the police can do is to call you, come to the police station. They say there's an investigation, you know, but they can not only do, they can only do so much. Yeah. I mean, we give them advice on, on where to go and the right top and the right people to talk to because most people, it's just around knowing where to go mm-hmm. to, to get the right um, results. I mean, because nine times out of ten, people don't understand how to report a, a commercial crime case, what evidence you need to report it. Um, and a lot of it actually involves the banks. They need to actually go and deal with the banks if money is being incorrectly taken out of their, their credit card or their banking details have been mm. hacked and, and mm. money is being misappropriated. Mm. I'm thinking, Budelani, um, we, 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 we're looking at, at we're going to be launching the, the afternoon discussions yeah. um, soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think maybe let, let's invite PwC, the likes of Trevor and no, and a lot of yeah. other people so that they come nice. speak to entrepreneurs, no, I mean SMEs, very, very nice, and, yeah. and, and you guys come educate and inform them because right now there's no one that, 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 that is filling the gap. Uh, I mean, we're focusing on, 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 on feeding the kids. Yes, we all need to feed the kids. We all, but right now, the one of the strategies as the country, it's so that we grow small business and that tomorrow it becomes a big business. And right now, if ever there's no one that is servicing that mandate or servicing those small business to actually help them, uh, become, I mean, big business. Uh, in terms of putting systems in place and doing, you know, other things, I think it's something that that definitely um, could 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 be beneficial to yeah, small business. I mean, we've got, I mean, as I was saying, PwC's got a number of different departments, but I mean, we can definitely get our guys that that deal with um, owner managed businesses, mm-hmm. help them with their strategic plans, etc. I mean, the, more I'm sure more than one of those guys would be more than happy to come on your show and, and tell your listeners, yeah, give them some pointers on. And answer questions on how to go about things. No, no, definitely. I think maybe it's uh, put me please um, in contact mm-hmm. with with someone that uh, that um, we can definitely be in contact with. So obviously, there's someone that is listening out there that is obvi- um, obviously interested into going through um, the report um, themselves. I mean, where can they go get the report or get access to the report? Um, you can go to the PwC website, but the South African website is at www.pwc.co.za mm-hmm. forward slash crime survey. 
Okay, www.pwc.co.za forward slash crime survey. And that will give you the South African result, um, report. Mm. And then linked to that, go, it goes to the global website where you can get all the global reports that were also issued for the different yeah. countries. Yeah, I think, I think, Bulelan, you, 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 will, you will tweet that. No, definitely. Um, then definitely. from them in for people to actually get, um, yeah, to actually get more information, um, about, about the, um, the survey that, 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 that you guys, Every running. So then, how often do you guys do the survey? Is it annually? Is we do it, it every two years. Okay. Um, just because, I mean, the planning, it probably takes about 14 months from when we start the planning to when we actually issue the, the mm-hmm. report. So it would just end up overlapping. And also, it's, it's a very expensive exercise. So it's not something that we're going to do every year. But also, you need to have the, the, the trends to have changed slightly so that you have something new to report. I mean, mm-hmm. what is the, what, what has changed and, and where's, where things, where the opportunities going forward to defend yourselves? Yeah, no, don't definitely. I mean, it's something that, that, uh, I think maybe we should be involved in the next survey. So to actually <laughs> no, speak, because right now looking at this report, I've been browsing and going through, um, through it. And, and right now it's, 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 <laughs> we're not as entirely accommodated as small business. And right now, obviously, we are very much affected by government. Businesses are closing down and a lot of other things, so, you know. And I think it would be wise for us to be involved and actually give uh, our own opinions. In the, you know, we, we, we can be very vocal <laughs> as far as small business um, um, is, is concerned. But more than anything, um, I think... Um, you know, um, Trevor, let me take this opportunity to, to thank you for, for joining us, um, on the show. I mean, I think it was quite, um, insightful. It's, it's said that, you know what, um, we, especially when you're having a good time, um, time is so little, um, and we can't really do as uh, so much that we would have loved, uh, to actually go through in more in detail, um, as far as the survey, um, and the report that you guys have done as much as concerned. But I think obviously the overview that we've covered um, gives an idea um, in terms of obviously what to look out for and how to go about about um, now um, protecting yourself um, as a business. But now tell me, does the report um, speak or cover about how to protect yourself as a business from all the aspects that we've covered, being bribery, cybercrime and everything else? Yeah, it does. It gives you a number of... of um Things to be aware of. So in, in each section, we've tried to give people um, some pointers as to how they can protect themselves. So like if you talk about corruption, we've given an example as red flags that could identify potential corruption. So a very short time period given to respond to a tender, procurement officials whose lifestyles appear to exceed their income levels, mm-hmm. orders consistently placed with the same supplier, um, cost of materials out of line when compared to related activities, and it goes on. So in the different sections, that was just around potential corruption, and then we've done the same in cybercrime, etc. Throughout the report, we've given things that people should look at and 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 use to um, protect themselves. Okay. So now, um, more than anything, um, we usually close the show um, with 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 style, um, Trevor. I mean, there's someone that is listening out there. Um, in closing, uh, what would be your advice to them? Uh, to every young person, every corporate or every business person that is listening. Some want to go into business, but they hear such things on radio and they ended up not going into business. If you'd speak to those people today, what would you say? Everybody starts small. So if you don't start, you're not going to, you don't have a chance of becoming big. Mm-hmm. But the important thing is that 
we can't always sit around and say and blame corruption and crime on, on the government. It's up to each individual to take a stand, and, it's, and it starts with each person themselves. So if you take a stance against economic crime and say enough's enough, it can only enhance our country, and there's enough money in our country to pay for the services we need as long as they, the money is used for those services rather than for corrupt people that are, that are stealing the money and taking it away from the poor people who need the service delivery. Hmm. No, I like that. Uh, Bulelani, in closing? Um, go out there, get things done, let nothing stand in your way, don't let things like bribes um, stand in your way, and make sure that you run the heavens away from them because you don't want that kind of a reputation to mar your business in the next four or five years. Make sure that you clean, keep a clean sweep, be a person of integrity, get things done. Yes, no, it's fine. Mina, in closing, what I want to say is that the youth must go out there and learn about building institutions like banks, not churches. I mean, um, we've got institutions um, like PwC and many others um, out there that that are out there doing things in the community and that influence um, the business community as a whole. Sitting eye down and feeling sorry for yourself or saying you're not going to go into business because there's money laundering, there's bribery, there's all of this. You don't stop and not buy a car because now people <laughs> are hijacking cars. <laughs> You know, we still That's buy true. cars. We still do a lot of things. As much as right now, we've got a lot of problems in business. We still go into business and we still strive to make it uh, different and to make it better uh, for us as a community. I guess this is all that we had for you today on 360Biz with myself, Debohoma 40, with my boy Bulelani and Mr. Trevor uh, White uh, from PwC. We were speaking white Collar Crime. Catch us again next time for another exciting installment of 360 Biz right here on Cliff Central. This is CliffCentral.com.